So have you ever heard of the messy garage paradox? I just made it up, so you probably haven't. Uh, it's not really a thing. Uh, I, I even Googled it just to make sure that it's not really a thing. The messy garage paradox, uh, it's true in my life, and here's how it goes. I love projects. I love working with my hands. I love woodworking. I love working on the farm. And so does my wife. If you are follow her, my, my wife Olivia, you know she is a huge fan of DIY stuff, and there is always some room in our house being remodeled. We're both really into projects. We, we just are in the garage all the time. The problem is, oh, and, and, and these projects, they give me life, right? They, they always make me so happy. I mean, if I have a day off or, uh, and it's nice out, I'll spend seven, eight hours working on the farm and I just have a blast. So it gives us life to do these projects. But as you know, if you do projects, there always is an, an inevitable mess that comes along with it. And it's not intentional, but you know, two by fours kind of get thrown in the, this corner here and the box full of uh, these, I don't know, supplies end up over here and what's that for? And I don't know, there's tools over here. And before long, the garage is a mess. And here's where the paradox comes in because when my garage is super, super messy, when there's clutter everywhere, the last thing I wanna do is work on a project because it means I have to clean the garage. I have to actually, you know, sort things out and put things back where they go and that just drains me and I hate it and I can't stand it. I, maybe I should think of it as a project and that would give me life, but I don't. I just think of it as a pain. And so as a result, and this is where the paradox comes in, the very thing that gives me life, doing projects, doing stuff with my hands, leads exactly to the very same thing that drains me. And as a result, I get stuck, I get in a rut and I can't get myself back to the thing that gives me joy. But I'll tell you, the one thing that always happens is eventually, you know, every now and then Liv and, Liv and I will be like, all right, something has to be done. We're going to clean up. And so we, we spend a whole day, we get the whole place back in order. And so once everything's tidy and back to the way it's supposed to be, guess what happens? I want to dive right back into a new project and it gives me a lot of joy and I'm happy and I'm excited, okay? So that's the messy garage paradox. Now I know that not every one of you likes to work with your hands. Not all of you love doing outdoor work and you probably would do anything other than that if you could. But there are some of you that probably would say that, okay, I do have a messy kitchen paradox or the messy desk paradox. You know, when, you, when, when some space that you're in gets so cluttered up, you lose all ability to, to think clearly and, and to, to do the things that you care about. There's just something about a tidy, clean space that changes your mentality, doesn't it? It's something about having everything in order that actually leads to uh, being able to do the things that you really care about. And so that's what we're talking about in this new series, Tidying Up. Not about our physical spaces necessarily, but about our spiritual spaces and our emotional spaces and our mental spaces. Um, because we may not always think this way, but those spaces of our life get cluttered too, right? They get, they get a bunch of junk piles up in there and, and when they're messy, it drains us. It, it, we lose sight of what actually matters and, and we don't pursue the things that give us life. And I'll tell you what, after a year of pandemic living where we've been, you know, locked indoors and, and avoiding social contact and, and just doom scrolling on Twitter all day long, let's just say it's kind of messy in here, right? I, maybe you're the same way. It's, it's just like, okay, there's a lot of junk built up. It's time for some spring cleaning. Spring cleaning for our soul, spring cleaning for our spiritual life. So that's what we're gonna talk about. For these next four weeks, we're gonna explore biblical principles for how to unclutter your spiritual life, how to clean out the junk and focus on what really matters in our life. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about how to spark joy with justice. 
We'll talk about uh, how to dump your anger in the trash, about how uh, many hands make light work, and how you can clear out your stress with generosity. And uh, at the end of the series, we are going to do one thing that has to do with the physical space, and it's this space, uh, this, this building. We're having on May 2nd a church family cleanup day. And this is going to be a chance for us. I mean, this is our church. This is our building. So we are going to come together and we're just going to tidy up. We're going to do some deep cleaning in this sanctuary. We'll do some landscaping outside if it's nice. We'll do uh, all the different ministry areas at Grace are going to have different projects in mind that you can, you can join in them and with them and do some tidying. We probably will get like a dumpster because there's probably stuff built up from like 1997 or something that's just been sitting here forever. So we'll clear some stuff out and it'll be... It'll just be a chance for us to come together, to serve together, to clean up our church building. And uh, I mean, I know some of you are like, why would anyone do that? But I know there's a lot of you that are like, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. So uh, block out May 2nd in the afternoon. We'll get you details soon, but just, you know, don't schedule anything else that day. There's nothing more important than this, right? (laughs) So uh, I'm excited about that. That's coming up. Okay. All right. Let's dive into today's topic, which is sparking joy with justice. Now, as you've probably caught on, if you know the show, uh, Tidying Up by, or with Marie Kondo, um, there, I'm, I'm stealing a lot of stuff, a lot of titles from that show. Um, it's a Netflix show where Marie Kondo, this, this woman, um, helps people who are in kind of a rut of, of a mess. She helps them get things tidied up and, and cleaned up. And I've watched a few episodes. It's, it's entertaining. But one of the things that she talks about a lot is this idea of sparking joy. And this is her expression for uh, surrounding yourself only with objects like shirts or books or whatever that spark joy in you and, and getting rid of everything else. And I don't know if that's, that's you know, legit. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of goofy. But her whole idea is when you do that, you actually can change your mentality and, and focus on what really matters. And so whether or not, you know, you can actually do that with your coffee maker or whatever, I, I, I do know that there is a thread through scripture that's actually kind of similar to that. It's this idea that when we focus our energies on what really matters to God, when we pour ourselves into the things that he cares about, it actually does spark joy in us. It gives us new perspective. It changes our mentality. And so let's talk about that. Let's look at what those things are, because if, you know, if you're like me, I could, like, I could use a little bit of joy right now. I could use a little bit of a, of a fresh mentality. So let's see what scripture has to say about that. We're going to look at Isaiah 58, which is one of my all-time favorite passages of scripture. I'm sure I've preached on it before, but, but uh, bear with me because we're going to go at it again. And if you have a Bible, I would love it, especially if you're at home and you're able to, you know, use your, your Bible and get a pencil or a pen out and mark it up while we go. It's great. Um, it would be great to have it in front of you because this is Hebrew poetry and Hebrew poetry is filled with imagery and, and symbolism and all kinds of stuff that you might miss if you're not really paying attention. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. A uh, little bit of context. This is prophecy. And if you're not familiar with biblical prophecy, I'll just make one thing clear. Biblical prophets don't necessarily tell the, tell the future. They tell the truth. They don't tell the future, they tell the truth, which in other words is a way of saying that the prophets of the Bible, they hear the voice of God and speak truth, God's truth to the people of Israel. And in this particular passage, the prophet Isaiah is, well, he's talking to the Israelites through God's voice in a way that uh, makes it pretty clear they were missing the point pretty spectacularly. So let's read what God has to say to them through Isaiah. Isaiah 58 verse 1. 
shout. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They, they come to the temple every day and they seem delighted to learn about me, all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending that they want, me to, be, they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I'll tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and you cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? Okay, well, we'll stop there. Kind of coming in hot, right? This is, this is a little intense. Let me kind of sum up what's going on here. The people of Israel are apparently trying to earn God's favor by doing the right religious rituals. They seem to think that if they, if they go to the temple, you know, on the, on the right schedule, if they, if they fast to show their devotion to God, if they wear itchy clothes because of how humble they are and, and all that, if they do that, then God should come through for them, right? They're like, all right, God, we're doing all the stuff that you want, so why aren't you answering our prayers? Why aren't you giving us what we're, what we're asking for? Now, it's interesting because there are plenty of other places in the Old Testament where the Israelites are just doing things like terrible things. They're, they're, they're sacrificing things or even in some places their children to these like idols, these other gods. They're, they're worshiping other gods. It's like way off base. But that doesn't exactly seem to be the, 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 what's happening here. Uh, when you actually look at this, you look at um, verse 2, for example. It says that they delight, literally delight to know God's ways. They, they draw near to him, it says. Or, or it says that they, they ask God for justice and righteousness. So on the surface, it looks, it looks like their hearts are in the right place. Looks like that. And yet God's not giving them what they want. Pause real quick. Have you ever experienced a moment like this where it just doesn't seem like God's paying attention to you? If you've been following Jesus for a while, you know that there are these ebbs and flows of, of big spiritual highs, right? Maybe it's the, the time that you gave your life to Jesus. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's that uh, baptism experience that just changed you or some really great worship experience on the weekend. Maybe it's a Christian summer camp growing up. I remember, vividly remember singing, you know, Michael W. Smith songs, friends of friends forever, like around the fire and just weep and like, you know, you feel like the spirit is here. But then that high fades and you, what? You go about your business and you, you try, you try to get, to get God's attention. You're, you're going to church, you're praying, you're journaling, you're reading your Bible and it, it just doesn't feel like anything. You, you kind of get in a rut and you're like, God, are you even, are you even listening? I know you've felt that before. It's, it's a very normal thing for us to feel. So in a way, we can relate to these Israelites who are like, God, what gives? What gives? Well, the Israelites are wondering, okay, what, what does give God? And in verse 3, God gives them an answer. He says, look, you are fasting 
to please yourselves. You're fasting to please yourselves. In other words, you're doing all the right religious stuff, sure, but you're doing it out of self-interest. You're doing it out of what you're going to get out of it. But remember, God calls his people really consistently to self-giving love, to self-sacrifice. We are called to, to um, focus on, on others and not ourselves. And so their prayers are based out of selfishness. And God doesn't want to respond to that. But, but he goes on. He says, even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. Now this word oppressing in the Hebrew it's actually the exact same Hebrew word that was used to describe what Pharaoh and the Egyptians were doing to the Israelites in slavery. Okay, this is, this is exploitation. This is hard labor. This is push, pushing your hand down, oppressing someone else. And so here the Israelites are who've been freed from slavery and they're turning around and they're doing that exact same thing to the people who depend on them. They're exploiting their workers. So God's not gonna, gonna respond to that because God calls his people to, to what? To justice, to generosity, to equality. And this is not that. Let's just put it that way. Finally, he says, what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? God calls his people really clearly to peace. And yet here they are, they're spreading chaos and discord and, and violence. They're missing the point. Last week and, and the week before, we talked about how the ultimate story of Scripture is God's desire to free humanity from the curse of our choices, of our, of our rebellion, and, and to bring us back to a place of blessing, right? Of, of uh, joy and abundance and peace. To, to bring us back to Eden is what really it's all about. And yet here, the Israelites, they're asking for blessing. They're like, God, bring us back to Eden. Give us that blessing but then they're turning around and they're spreading the curse at the same time. You see the disconnect there. You can't have both. You can't be doing both things. And so God doesn't respond to them. To, to use our metaphor for this sermon series, it's like they had let a whole bunch of clutter and junk from their selfishness and from their world just build up and it made it so that they weren't able to focus on what really matters. They, they were doing things and allowing things to be true of them that were the exact opposite of God's desires and intentions for our world. If these Israelites really want to experience the blessing of God, if they really want God to come through for them, well, then they're going to have to do some spring cleaning. They're going to have to get rid of some of this clutter and some of this junk. So let's keep reading because God tells them exactly how to do that as he goes on. Um, so at the end of verse 5, he says, is this what you call fasting? And then he says in verse 6, no, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from your relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. Then your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then... 
Your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Okay, so in that first passage that we read, the Israelites, they're, they're missing the point. They're fasting, they're doing religious stuff, but God's not listening, listening to them. But then here, everything changes. God brings blessing and provision and protection and all of it, and, and, and he's answering prayers quickly, right? Verse nine, when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I'm here, I'm here. He will quickly reply, it says. So, okay. What's causing such a, such a 180 degree turn for God? Well, it's a night and day difference in God's behavior. Why? Well, the answer really just boils down to one thing. One thing, justice. God's justice. Look at verse six. Here's, here's what the people are called to do. He says, release the innocent from prison, in essence. Care for your workers Free the oppressed. And by the way, that's that Egyptian slavery word again. Free the oppressed. Uh, and, and he says it in a, in a really interesting way. He says, um, literally, untie the cords of the yoke. Okay, untie the cords of the yoke. A yoke is what is a big wooden thing that you put on an ox to get them to pull farming implements. And the imagery here is of people who are yoked, who are put in burdens of slavery and they are being oppressed. And the imagery is untying those cords and freeing them. And you can almost see a person standing up, freed from the weight of the oppression that they were feeling. Untie the cords of the yoke. He goes on in verse 7. Share your food with those who don't have any. Put a roof over the head of the homeless. Although it literally says, bring them into your home. So that's intense. Clothe the naked and don't hide when your relatives need your help. This right here, this is a vision of biblical justice. Now, when we talk about justice in the Bible, we're not talking about a legal code. We're not talking about judges and, and juries and courtrooms. That's not what we mean. When we're talking about biblical justice, we are talking about a way of living, a way of living that actually heals the brokenness of our world, that, that brings people, ushers people back into an Eden kind of life. That's what biblical justice is. It is an, an invitation to blessing, to blessing in the way that we live. That's what Isaiah is saying is going to unlock this stuff for us. This right here, this is what comes about from self-giving love. And I'll be honest with you, this stuff costs us, right? That's the whole point. It is of giving of ourselves. It costs us. And yet, according to Isaiah 58, pursuing biblical justice, God's justice, it changes everything, completely changes everything. Look at verse 8. When you pursue justice, God says, then your salvation will come like the dawn, like a sunrise, and your wounds will quickly heal. Or verse 10, I love this, then your light will shine out. So think about that. Not only will your own darkness disappear, it says it'll be like noon around you, like no more darkness, no more shadows, but now your brightness is shining outward. Not only is it hitting your life, it's now shining into the lives of those around you. Uh, he goes on, he says, when you care for others, then God will guide you. 
He will, he will make sure you've got supplies for the journey. You can picture God being there to be like, okay, you're thirsty? Here's, here's a bottle of water. Oh, you want some food? Here's, some, here's a granola bar or whatever. You're in the wilderness, but you're not alone. And I love this. I love this. When you seek justice, you will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Again, again, think about that imagery. Not only are you verdant and green and alive and filled with life, but you're an ever-flowing spring. The water is coming from you into the world around you. Yet again, you are radiating out and changing the world around you. So that's, that's the kind of person apparently we can be, healed, radiant, life-giving, with God's presence by our side, I mean, shoulder to shoulder, ready to respond the moment we ask. According to scripture, according to Isaiah, pursuing justice unlocks all of it. It unlocks it all. So here's the question, why? Why is that the way that it works? Well, here's the answer. Because justice is what God cares about. Biblical justice is what he cares about, not the religious rituals. He doesn't care about the the perfectly worded prayers. He doesn't care about our, our ceaseless attempts to recapture that spiritual high we once had. That's not what matters to him. What matters is a world restored and healed and blessed. That's what God cares about. God cares about bringing humanity back into his presence, back to blessing, back to Eden. And when we join God in doing that work, Well, no wonder he's giving us all these things because we are working side by side with him. We are shoulder to shoulder with the God of the universe healing this broken world. Justice is what God cares about. Look, it is so easy for us to let our spiritual lives get all cluttered up, to get get all, all this junk piled in and it drains us and keeps us from focusing on what matters selfishness, rote religion, injustice. It happened for the Israelites. It happens for us, okay? It's part of just being a human. This is what happens in our lives. So if we want to to change things, if we want to do some spring cleaning for our soul, well, then I think we should take a cue from Marie Kondo and we should learn how to spark joy. We should learn how to spark joy, to, 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 to get rid of the clutter and focus on doing the things that actually bring us to life. And what are those things? Well, according to Isaiah 58, they're all in one idea. We can spark joy with justice. That's it. We can spark joy with justice. We can give of ourselves to heal the brokenness around us, to to provide for those in need, to comfort those who are in distress, to care for those in trouble, to have compassion. That's what will bring us life, and that's what will bring us joy. And I can tell you, this has absolutely been my experience. This is what I've experienced. I, I mean, I've talked about this a lot, but before I was a pastor, I spent a good chunk of my adult life traveling all over the developing world, and I engaged with with Christ followers who were giving of themselves to combat injustice in, like, terrible places. Terrible places. Slums, refugee camps, uh, impoverished villages, deserts. I mean, I saw how Jesus was working through these Christ followers to heal injustice in some of the most awful places imaginable. Violent places, unsafe places, places filled with with sewage and and terrible, whatever, all the stuff. And yet, the people that I met consistently, 
consistently were some of the most joyful and life-giving people I had ever encountered in my life. How could that possibly be true? How could you be so joyful in such a terrible place? How could you be alive and, and, and filled with, with joy in a place that would drain any one of us? Well, the answer is they were pursuing justice. They were working shoulder to shoulder with God to bring light into this world. And let me tell you, there's no better example of this than my friends at Mission to Ukraine in Zhitomyr. Okay, I went there back in 2009 and I was still very cluttered up in my spiritual life, I'll tell you that. And when I went there, I saw something that changed me forever. One of the things, Mission to Ukraine has a, has a really incredible ministry, and one of the things that they do is they, they love on and care for children with disabilities. That's part of why they're there. And they work at a place called Romanov Orphanage, and I've talked about Romanov before, but suffice it to say, when I first went there in 2009, it was a hellhole. It was a terrible, fetid, uh, miserable place. It smelled like a sewer. The boys were neglected and mistreated. They were, they were uh, my first glimpse inside the orphanage, there were, there, was, there were boys bleeding. There was a boy standing in a puddle of his own urine. Some of them were, were banging their heads against the wall. It, it was hell on earth, hell on earth. And yet, the entire drive to the orphanage and the entire drive back from the orphanage, every time we went, the Mission to Ukraine staff, they were laughing and giddy and excited and talking and bubbling about, about what was going on. I could not understand it. How? How could they possibly be happy in such a place? And the first time I walked in, I'm going to tell you, to my shame, the first thing I thought was, I don't want to get dirty. I, I remember walking in and thinking, I hope... No, none of them touch me because I don't want my clothes to smell, right? That was my first thought, guys. And I will never, ever forget what happened when the door behind me, for whatever reason, I was the first one in the room. The Mission to Ukraine staff, they, walked, they came around me like a river and they swept the boys up into big hugs and they were loving the boys and singing with the boys and teaching the boys and it was this joyful time. And I'm sitting there in my shame thinking, how is this even possible? Well, I want to tell you how it's possible. It's possible because they were focused on untying the cords of the yoke. Oh, guys, they were, I could see it now. They were lifting the heavy burden off of these boys' shoulders and they were standing up, sometimes for the first time. It changed me because I saw them bringing love and light and justice into a place where there was none. It was a dark place. And here's what happened. They had sparked joy in their life, yes, but that began to radiate outwards. They had become well-watered gardens. They were an ever-flowing spring and it influenced the boys, of course. They transformed their lives. They transformed that orphanage. But you know what else they transformed? They transformed me. It began to catch. I started to get drawn into that, that vision of, of bringing justice. And by the end of my time in Ukraine, guess what I was doing? I was running in and loving on these boys and hugging them and playing with them and singing. It changed my life forever, and I discovered a kind of joy in my heart that I didn't even know was possible. It changed the trajectory of my life. Seeing justice, seeing uh, the, the yoke being lifted, seeing light in the darkness, it sparked joy. And I'll tell you what, the clutter of my selfishness, of my pride, it started to get a little bit cleared away, didn't it? Wow, that changed me forever. And I can tell you what, it will change you too. 
this kind of living, this kind of lifestyle, it will change you. And you know how I know that? Because I, before I went on all these these journeys, I was a picky eating, comfort loving, couch potato, video game addict. If it can happen for me, it can happen for you. Full stop. (laughs) I am proof positive that you can spark joy with justice. And God will change not only you, but the world around you if you do. Now, I know, <laughs> I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, okay, yes, great. Amen, Barry. I, that's, I'm totally going to do that the next time I'm in Ukraine or sub-Saharan Africa or, or whatever, the developing world, right? I know you're thinking that. Of course you are. It's, and it's okay. But let me tell you this. This is, I don't even need to tell you this, but there is injustice everywhere. There is injustice in your backyard, maybe even in your family. There is injustice everywhere you look because our world is still broken, which means that there are opportunities for you to pursue justice in your life. You don't have to get on an airplane. It can happen in your backyard. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a chance to think about well, the clutter in your life, but also to think about what kind of spring cleaning do you want to do? What kind of, kind of tidying up do you want to do by pursuing what really matters? I want to give you just a chance to think about your world and ask yourself this question. What injustice in my world is God asking me to heal in Jesus' name? What injustice in my world is God asking me to heal in Jesus' name? And I'm going to help you think through this by just kind of revisiting some of these images and some of these ideas from Isaiah 58. So think about this. Close your eyes if you want. Just think about this. And let me ask you, who has been wrongly imprisoned in your life? Or who's been wrongly imprisoned around you? And don't just think about physical prisons. How can you lighten the burden of those who work for you? And if you think, well, I'm I'm not an employer, what about people in the service industry? What about public servants? How can you lighten the burden of those who work for you? Who around you is chained and oppressed, who's who's exploited by others, who is burdened by a heavy yoke. Who in your life is hungry? Who in your life needs a home? And again, maybe it's not literal food, maybe it's not a physical home. Who needs clothing? And who in your biological or spiritual family needs your help right now? Like I said, our our world 
is filled with injustice. So I'm positive that if you give yourself a little bit of, of thought to this, maybe it's already happened, God will put something on your heart, something specific for you to do. So my question now is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to respond? Are you going to act? Look, guys, you don't have to live in the mess and the clutter anymore. You don't have to live piled up with your own selfishness and, and all of that. You can live free. You can experience joy. You, you can be that well-watered garden. You can be that ever-flowing spring. You, yes, you. But it starts with self-giving love. Self-giving love just like Jesus taught us. It starts with justice. So grab a broom, grab a mop, grab a, a dust rag, grab some of those uh, Tupperware things with the nice labels so you can sort things out or whatever because we've got some work to do, right? It's time for some spring cleaning. And you know what it's really time for? It is time for you to come alive. Let's pray. Well, Father, first of all, I just I have to say thank you again for what you've done in my life. I know there are many in this space, many watching online, many watching this in the future who have experienced or tasted a little bit of this. We've gotten a glimpse of what life can be like when we live working shoulder to shoulder with you. And so we're grateful that we have experienced that. But I also know, Father, for all of us, there are probably many others who have yet to experience that. We haven't given our lives to, to justice. We haven't pursued the things that you care about. And so, Father, I ask that in this moment, your Holy Spirit would, would light a spark, that maybe this would be the beginning of a journey of a lifestyle of justice, that today, today, that it would begin. And I pray, Father, that as we as a community learn to give of ourselves, that we would, that we would become those well-watered gardens, not just coming alive for ourselves, but that we would begin flowing and radiating out into the lives of those around us. Let us be a beacon of life for our community, Father. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus who showed us how to do this. Amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.